Welcome to the Landmark Church Weekly Podcast. Amen. Won't you stand with me this morning? Let's jump right into to God's Word. We are concluding our series today on the Gospel according to Marvel. We're going to talk about one more character today. I'll introduce him in just a moment. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Luke chapter 12. Verse 35. Are you ready to receive the word of the Lord this morning? Luke 4, 35. Jesus is speaking. I know that because it's in red in my Bible. Kind of helpful. Just joking. I know it because I read this morning too. But. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. And if he should come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. But know this. That if the master of the house had known what the hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward? I love Jesus. He never says yes or no. He just kind of throws something else out there. Who then is this faithful and wise steward whom this master will make ruler over his household to give them their portion of food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all that he has. But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint 
did not happen. I was going to have him stand on top of the sound booth back there and come swinging in, but um, I was scared he would land on one of you guys in the audience. And uh, sorry, you couldn't use your web. This is really good. This is Mr. Spider-Man, also known as Peter Parker and Spider-Man. If you know him, he was this teenager that was kind of puny and nerdy. No offense, sir. And uh, one day he gets bit by a radioactive spider. And when he does, it begins to change his body. It changes. All of a sudden, he has this spidey sense that he did not have before. He can shoot webs, and he can, he can swing with those things and fly through the air with that. He, all of a sudden, he can climb on buildings. And Peter Parker goes from being this puny little guy that is trying to win his girlfriend to all of a sudden he is somebody who has some power and he can use that to try to still win his girlfriend because that's really what he cares about. Amen. Give him a hand. Thank you, Spider-Man. You can go back there with our kids. Thank you. Now, when Spider-Man, this happens to him first, he tries to use these things selfishly. If you remember the movie, the original one, or at least the original one that I saw with Tobey Maguire, the older one, he tries to become a wrestler. You know, he's going to use these, and he's going to make money off of this. It's going to be something where he's able to make a lot of money. And in a moment, he has this moment that will change his entire life. In this moment, he sees a robber come in, and a thief, and he comes in to steal things. And instead of stopping him, he turns his head. It's my problem. I'm going to let it go. It's not my issue. And he turns his head. And when he does, the robber escapes. Later on that same day, his Uncle Ben, who is his surrogate father, his Uncle Ben and his wife and his aunt are both robbed. And when they're robbed, the thief comes in. And when he robs them, he shoots Uncle Ben and he kills him. And when Peter Parker sees the face of the thief, he realizes it was the one he could have stopped, and he didn't. And because of that, now his uncle is dead. And he will live with this the rest of his life. And he thinks back to a moment right before that, very shortly before that, where him and his Uncle Ben are in a car together. And in this car, his Uncle Ben's trying to explain life to him as a teenager. He's trying to explain life to him and how life works and what needs to happen. And he's trying his best to explain this to Spider-Man, to Peter Parker. He doesn't know he's Spider-Man, but to Peter Parker's nephew. And in that moment, he says a very famous line that will be the mantra for Spider-Man. The rest of his life, he will use this line. And here's what Uncle Ben says to him. He says, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility. With great power comes great responsibility. And because of that, Spider-Man will live the rest of his life believing, I have been given a power, and because of that, I have a responsibility to live up to what I have been given. Let me tell you, thousands of years, or at least a couple thousand years, before Stan Lee penned these words, our Messiah Jesus said the exact same thing. When he said this, too much is given, much is required. To much is given, much is required. Now just stick with me. Let me just tell you this story again that I read to you in kind of modern vernacular. The, this, this, this master has a big house, and he's got servants that live there. And he goes to a wedding. And that wedding, they have so much food, he gets them to-go plates to come home. And, and he brings his to-go plates, and he's excited because he gets to share this great food with these servants who normally don't eat like this. So he's excited. I get to go, and I get to, I get to serve my servants. I get 
yes or no. He just says, Peter, who is the good, who is the good steward? Who's the good servant? Here's the good servant. The one that is waiting on the master to get back. Because the bad servant does this. He, whenever the master delays and he thinks it's going to be a while before he gets back, I got this mansion to myself. I mean, I got this crib that is nice. We're going to have a party in here. Let's get drunk. Let's party. Let's have a good time. And the master shows up and they're doing that. Or the master shows up and the servant is beating the other servants because he let the power go to his head and he thought the master's not coming back. So I'm going to do what I want to do. And he begins to beat the male and the female servants and the, and the the master shows up, he says, here's what's going to happen. The master is going to give that servant a thrashing and send him away with the unbelievers. He's going to send him out, put him in prison for how he's acting. But if some people do things out of ignorance, then they're going to get a slap on the wrist. But here's what Jesus said. Be prepared because too much is given, much is required. That servant that was made in charge of everything is going to be expected to do more than the one who didn't hardly have a job. Now listen, why is this important? Stick with me this morning. Why is this important? Because I believe this. I believe many times when it comes to knowing Jesus, when it comes to knowing him, I believe there's some people that would rather not know too much about Jesus. Let me, let me say it to you in this way. This is the Passion Translation. Here's what it says. For those who have received a greater revelation from their master are required a greater obedience. And those who have been entrusted with great responsibility will be held more responsible to their master. My dad and mom were married for 43 years. And my, before she got ovarian cancer, my mom, what she loved to do was take care of my dad and myself, my only child. And so growing up, she just loved to do that. She did everything around the house. My dad didn't demand this of her. It was just the way it worked for them. And she loved doing it. She cooked. She cleaned. She did laundry. I mean, I had chores that I had to do. My dad would help her sweep or vacuum at times. But for the most part, my mom did all of those things. And when she got sick, I remember one of the reasons she hated being sick, she told me this, is she says, not even having to go through chemo and deal with all this stuff, she just said, I hate that I cannot take care of your dad like I want to. And I remember going home one day when she was sick to visit, and my dad is switching out laundry in the clothes in the laundry. And I, the sad is, is I actually laughed. I said, what in the world are you doing? Because I'd never seen my dad, at this time, about 30, in the early 30s, I'd never seen my dad do things like that. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I don't have a choice. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm having to take care of the house. And I, it made sense. But all my life, there was a running joke. My dad could not even boil water very well, I don't think. I mean, one time, my mom was asleep, and I was starving for breakfast. I say starving. I mean, I've never really been starving. But I was hungry. And I said, would you make me a hash brown? And I kid you not, when my dad got done, that thing was not country brown, it was burnt black, crisp. I never asked him again to cook for me, ever again. And the running joke was, in my family, my dad did not know, and he literally did not know how to do these things. And he would jokingly say this, but there was truth to it. The moment I find out, then I'm going to be expected to do that. So I'd rather not know. Because if I don't know how to do it, then nobody can expect me to do it. And the truth is, that's how some people are about Jesus. I, listen, we, here's, what, here's what Western Christianity has done to Christianity. Western society has done to Christianity, and it bothers me. We make knowing Jesus just about going to heaven one day. I've been telling you this for a while. We make it just about, I want to get to heaven one day. That's all I need. Jesus, I, I, need, I need you to make sure I don't go to hell. I don't want to burn forever. I want to make sure that I'm a good person. I'm a nice person to people. 
I'm looking at that, and man, all the information, I mean, they have it now. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. Uh, this, is not a, this is not like a, um, a sales pitch for iPhone or, or iOS 15, but if you download that yet, you can actually put your phone now in front of, a, of the Bible, in front of any book, and you can put it there, and you can push one button, and it saves the text, and then you can just highlight it with your finger and go and copy and paste that text into a document. For those of us pastors who have had been, uh, if you read an illustration, and my, I mean, we sit there and type word for word everything we're reading. It, I mean, if we want to plagiarize, it saves us tons of time. Just kidding. I don't plagiarize. I'm just kidding. But, but the truth is, I mean, it's like a game changer. And, and here's the thing. Information, we are drowning in information. The Bible, do you realize when you read the Bible, the, the Bible app, I read it every morning, that's what I use, and it's got all kinds of translations. I'll read it sometimes in three or four translations. We have information, but the Bible doesn't say we perish for a lack of information. Because whether you know this or not, this is a whole scientific thing, but your body was not created to get all the information that we get right now. Literally, psychologists will tell you that we really can't multitask. We say that word, but our brain-wise, we're not designed for that. And this is why anxiety's through the roof. People can't grasp things. Why? Because we have so much information that our bodies cannot process everything. Think about it used to. Used to, you got a newspaper, and you read a few paragraphs, and that was your news for the week. You might listen to the news on the radio. I'm talking about way back in the day. Listen to the news on the radio. You got little information. Somebody would come by, the, the, you know, the neighbor, the neighbor gossip would come by and say, did you hear about so-and-so, you got a little bit of information. Now we get information all day long, 24-hour news. We get, we get Facebook and news feeds on all of our social media, and all this stuff is coming at us. But listen, there is a difference, stick with me, between knowledge and information. My people don't perish for a lack of information. They perish for a lack of knowledge because they don't know how to take what they hear and apply it to their life and have the knowledge to know how to live. And here's the thing, what we realize in our life is many of us don't want knowledge. Because the truth is, if I have knowledge, I am accountable for that. So we keep Jesus at arm's length. Jesus, I'll be okay. In the Old Testament, there was three areas. There was the outer court, there was the inner court, and there was the holy of holies. And listen, the people in the outer court, they were outside listening to the music inside. They were outside talking to people, fellowshipping, just enjoying things going on. They're sitting out in the outer court, and that's good for them. But there was some that said, you know what, I want to go in the inner court. I'm not satisfied being out here. I want a little bit more, and I'm going to go to the inner court. And they would go to the inner court. In the inner court, they would see things that they didn't see in the outer court. They had a little better perspective. Matter of fact, one psalmist said it this way, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. In other words, I'm just good. I want to see in. I can't get in the Holy of Holies, but I'm glad just to be able to see in. But listen, there was a priest that would go in to the presence of God, and that high priest would go right to the presence, and it would, it would see uh, the presence of God there, and it would experience that. And what I want you to know this morning is God has not called you to be an outer court Christian. He's not called you to sit on the outer edges and just stand back there and act like, you know what, I'm going to go to heaven one day, I'm good. I'm a nice moral person, I'm good. If somebody dies, I give, them a, I give the family a pie, I'm good to go. That's all I want out of life. God says, no, I want to draw you in, and not just to the inner court. You may say, you know what, I'll do a little bit more. I'll serve at church. I'll give a little extra. I'll do a little bit more. But that's not the only thing God's asking of you. He says, I want you to experience my presence. I want you to come into my presence. And when you realize that, you will not be satisfied on the outside. You will not 
light bulb goes off. And you're watching them and you're explaining to them why you're doing it and what's going on. And all of a sudden they have that aha moment. Then you begin, man, there's something, at least for me, I get excited. They're getting it. They're getting it. I've I've been designing a play for them to run, and now they're running it. They're getting it. They they know why they're supposed to do that. They get it. I've been teaching my kid to do this, and now my kid's finally getting it. Some of y'all are still praying that will happen one day. Amen. Some things are taught, and some things are caught. And here's the thing about revelation of God. I can teach you all day long up here, and I can give you all kinds of facts and numbers. I can go through the Bible and explain everything there is to know. And you know what? You can walk out of here and not be any different than when you walked in the doors. Because all that happened was I taught something, and you listened. But the truth is, I'm not saying you don't have anything in between your ears, but sometimes it goes in here and straight out here. Because we are being taught something, but we're not catching it. But whenever you begin to pray, listen, it's important to me when I come into the house of God that I prepare myself before I walk in these doors. Why? Listen, it's sad to me that we have to, many times in worship, my my dad, let me back up, when my dad took me to his old church in Stratford, Oklahoma, where he grew up, he he came over and showed me something. I'm like, what is this? He's like, this was our water fountain. It's outside. It was a pump. We got thirsty in church. We came out here after church. Everybody gathered around this. But he said, you know what? This thing, you couldn't just lift it up and get water. You couldn't turn it on. You had to prime the pump. And when you prime the pump, it would be ready. Then, when you, whenever you lifted it up, it was ready to go because it had been primed. And the truth is this. When we come into God's presence, I'm going to talk about worship in a few weeks, but part of the problem with worship is it takes us about three songs to even get ourselves prepared to receive anything. And I believe if we come in ready to hear the Word of God, if I walk in those doors ready to hear the Word of God, I'm already primed and ready to go. This morning, I'm not, before I left my office, I had worship music playing in there. I'm praying and preparing because when I hit this right here, I want God to be able to speak to me right there. I don't want to have to wait three songs in for God to have God to speak to me. I want Him to be able to do it immediately because I'm tuned in to Him. I am listening and I am ready. I am ready to catch whatever the Spirit is saying to me. And when I understand that in the moment, there are things that are taught to me, but I don't want just information. I want to catch the wisdom and the knowledge behind it. And when I begin to do that, I want greater revelation. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy, the secret things belong unto the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. Listen, there are things about God that everybody gets to know. There are things about God, that's why Peter asked the question. Why Peter's saying, Lord, is it just for us or for them? Because Peter understood there were some things only the disciples knew. And here's the thing, there was 12 disciples, but there was way more than followers of Jesus than that. We know at one point there were 72 that were with him. The 12 followed him everywhere. Because Jesus understood, i got to provide meals for these guys, and I ain't going to provide meals for 72 people, but 12 I can handle. That's a joke. 
day as this, Spider-Man could have chose to use what God had given him to be something for himself selfishly. Or he realized God has given me, or it wasn't in that sense, the Marvel Universe, it wasn't God, but he realized I have gifts that I can make a difference. And here's the thing, you can use the revelation of who God is just to keep it to yourself, just to say I'll go to heaven one day, but I believe it is so much deeper. There is more to the story. And what I want to get in in the next few weeks is what does it mean to have more to the story? There's more to the story of knowing God than going to heaven when you die. You can understand what it means to worship. You can understand what it means to pray. You can understand what it means to walk in everything God has given you. And when you begin to unlock these things, you begin to realize that God has so much more. But let me give you a warning, 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 warning. The more revelation, the more you will be expected to live up to that. So some people say, just keep Jesus over there. Because I don't want him to ask me to really love others. I don't want to have to go and make a difference. I don't want to go help somebody when they call me in the middle of the night. I want it to be on my time frame. And as long as I have time for it, and as long as I like it, I'll do it. But God forbid anything's required of me that is difficult. And Jesus says, if you want my kingdom, the more you get, the more it's expected of you. But here's the other catch. The more that you do like that, the more you will receive. And when you are a faithful steward and God realizes I can trust you, it's a game changer. Because now God says, I entrusted you with this little bit and you made it big. So you know what? I can trust you with more. And some of you wonder, why God, why haven't you answered some of my prayers? I want to do this. And God says, you haven't been faithful in what I've given you right now. You know how many people that I saw growing up that wanted to be in the ministry, but they weren't willing to go clean toilets or mow the grass or pick up chairs. They wanted to be in the ministry. By that, that meant everybody else gets to do all the work and I get to sit here and do nothing. And the truth is this. If you're not willing to scrub the toilets, if you're not willing to cut the grass, if you're not willing to do those things, if serving is below you, then leadership is above you, and you will never be the leader God has called you to be if you can't do the small things. And what Peter Parker began to realize in his life is, I have been given something, and because of that, I have to live up to it. And the problem is this. When you catch the revelation that God has created you to be something, that God has created, he's put something inside of you, that you have and you have destiny and that God created you for a reason and God does not make junk and he created you and he said I want that person to be here right now to make a difference when you begin to understand that and here's the thing we are called to not only understand that we're called to serve but here's the other part we are called to be ready not just ready for Jesus return that's part of it at Landmark Church we believe in a soon coming king that in the middle of my sentence today preaching Jesus could get here we could be out of here. We believe Jesus is returning. He is appearing. He's going to appear one day. And we need to be ready. It's interesting to me because people sit around a lot of times and they want to know, when is he coming back? Let me figure out the dates. Let me, let, me, let me subtract this year from that year and multiply it by this and this many people and this many tribes of Israel. And by the time it's done, Jesus is coming back on September this, not whatever he predicted. 1988, a guy predicted Jesus was coming back. I'll never forget it. We had an evangelist. Our ceilings at our church were real tall, but they were the tile ceilings like we have in the lobby. And we thought about trying to find a way to pull up the guest speaker by a rope in the middle of a sermon. And he was going to look at the audience and say, why aren't y'all coming with me? And he was going to be lifted up into the air. 
day that God predicted that. I remember as a kid being scared to death. I was sitting there scared, thinking, Lord, I'm never going to be able to get married, have a family. I'm never going to be able to drive. Would you wait just a few years to come back, Jesus, please? Like, don't do it right now. I just got a few things I want to get done first, please. And, and you know what happened? It didn't work. So the next year, he realized he missed one thing. So next year, he wrote 89 year, reasons Jesus is coming back in 1989. True story. And guess what? We're still here. Does that mean Jesus isn't coming back? No. He's he, Just as sure as we thought in 88, he is coming back. We believe it right now. But the problem is this. If I sit around trying to predict the dates and try to figure it all out, then I'm missing out on the point. The point is Jesus did not come, and, and Jesus did not say, I'm coming back so that you can be sitting around at a table figuring out the date I'm coming back. I have called you to be about my business. I have called you to make a difference. I have called you to know me in greater ways. I want when Jesus gets here for me to know him greater than I did the first time I met him and surrendered my life to him. I want to know him in greater ways. I want him to find a servant that is working for him and saying, Lord, you gave me a responsibility and I'm not hiding it in the dirt. I'm not doing nothing with it. I am using it for your glory. And I want to be ready because why? I have been given a responsibility. If I know he's coming and I don't use it, then guess what? I am abusing the, the knowledge I have been given. But because I know he's coming, I'm accountable for that. But here's the thing. Worship team will join me. You have to do it, know it for yourself. Once again, some things are caught and some things are taught to us. A couple of months ago, we were in Colorado this summer. backyard and Benjamin was loving it you know cousins and toys but he was just rambunctious if you haven't met my son yet he's very active it's a nice way of saying he's probably ADD just kidding just kidding not saying that over here I'm just joking but he is a very active active child so I, I told Sarah I'm gonna give you a break I will take him down to this park down the street my family told me that we'll let him play he loves slides and parks we'll go down there and so my cousin and them and their two kids were going to join us, but I went ahead and left. They told me where to go. So I pull into this place where the park's supposed to be, and I don't see the park. And so we're walking, and I mean, Benjamin's at that time about 18 months old. He's 21 months old now. He's probably about 17, 18 months old. So I'm saying, come on, let's go. And he's just walking, you know. I'm like, Benjamin, there's a park over here. And he's just acting like I don't see anything but trees. And he's just walking slow. I'm like, Benjamin, there's a park. Come on. He's, you know, looking around. He doesn't care. And to be honest, I parked a long ways from the park. So it took us a while to walk over there. But finally, there was this one area, because there's trees around this park and this windy trail. Finally, there was this one place when you turned the corner, you could see the park. And he's just walking, looking down, moping around, walking slow. And I said, buddy, look, there's the park. And all of a sudden, I'll never forget it. He got this glow on his face, and he began to jump up and down. I mean, he was excited. The park, the park. Because he finally had saw it for himself. And he took off running. I mean, you couldn't hold him back. A slide was in his future, and he was excited. And I want you to know today, whenever you begin to get a revelation of who God is, Maybe for some of you, you've never had a revelation of God being your Savior. Maybe it's just the beginning of the journey, and you need that revelation. And today, you're getting that revelation. 
and you begin to jump up and down and you think, I got it, I got it, I got it, and you begin to run after God. You begin to chase after God. You begin to say, you know what, I'm tired of where I've been. I don't want to be an outer court person or an inner court. I want his presence. I'm like David. Give me his presence. I want his presence above everything else. And when I begin to live that way, I realize, you know what, I have a responsibility. I'm Every morning, I should wake up and get in his presence. I should be spending time in his word and prayer. I should be spending time. Why? Because I know it'll change me. And I have been given that revelation. And because I've been given that revelation, I am accountable for that revelation. And today, God wants to reveal himself in new ways. You'll be accountable for it. Not to scare you. I talked Wednesday night about how we, growing up, it was like they wanted to scare. I use the words I use Wednesday night because some of y'all throw me out on Sunday. But they wanted to scare us into heaven. I'll say it nicely for you today. Because you know why? If we can keep them scared, they'll stay around. But I found out the fear wears off. But you know what I've also found? That when I have a real revelation of Jesus, there is no fear. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And I got a revelation of the love of God, and it changes me. And I realize he loves me, and he cares about me. And I realize I have a God that, yes, I have a holy fear. I have, I, yes, I serve a God that I have respect for. But at the same time, he is a loving father that is welcoming in. And I have a new revelation of him, and I'm not scared of him. I want to run toward him as fast as I can because I know he loves me, and he wants a relationship with me. And that revelation will change your life when you have a new revelation. And today, God wants to give some of you a fresh revelation. You've lived off of yesterday's manna long enough. And today you need fresh manna. Because it's going to change you. But once again, you're going to be held responsible. And the Bible says one of these days that we will be held responsible for every idle word that we speak. I believe every time that we say, Lord, I want more of you, then we live like something else. We're going to be judged for that. So today when you mean it, when you say, Lord, I want more of you, mean what you say, because understand, he will give it to you, but then there is a responsibility that comes with that power. With great power comes great responsibility. Would you stand up? This podcast is now over. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future messages.